very good morning to you. Welcome into today's programme. We're with you right through until uh, 12 midday. On today's programme, we're looking at the whole situation in relation to drugs and a very strong statement made uh, by the Acting Minister for Justice. Simon Harris also today. Explio are announcing 70 jobs in Galway. Phil Codd joins us. What a lovely surname from there. We won't be... Uh, giving him a hard time. We're also going to go to the University of Galway alumni, Jesuit Tony O'Reardon joins us on today's programme. Donegal Lay joins us and much more on today's programme. Do stay with us right through until 12 midday. It's a Friday. We'll have some fun. Good morning to you. And a very good morning, Chase. We head into a weekend. Uh, the Minister for Justice, Simon Harris, has come in for some criticism after saying that weekend drug takers are funding violence, crime and murder. And the Minister has uh, made his remarks in the Dáil yesterday following a number of high-profile drug fines this week by the Gardaí. Ryan McHale is of the advocacy group Cron. Uh, lobbies for change in drug policy. He says that while the Minister is right in principle, government policy needs to change so that supply is targeted rather than the individuals who consume the drug, uh, the drugs in question. And Ryan joins me on the line today. Ryan, good morning to you. Good morning, thanks for having me. Thanks for joining us uh, today on the program. It, it is an epidemic and I was talking to a friend here on Monday morning uh, in studio, who popped into us in studio and he and his wife were out in a fairly prominent restaurant recently and they went to a bar afterwards and his wife went to the ladies and in the cubicle next door to where his wife was going to go into uh, there was two ladies sniffing cocaine. But you believe the users should not be targeted, it's the supply and uh, not the user. Yeah, so what the minister is saying here is um, is true when he talks about uh, the violence that's associated with drugs in Ireland and the the, the, the market, which is run by organised criminal gangs. But what he's really doing here, and it's quite a surprise for anybody that's been following this issue over the past few years, is he's coming out again with the old school approach that we have kind of agreed upon doesn't work where you target the individual drug user, you single them out, and you say you're the problem. So what we should really be doing instead is we should be um, increasing the levels of safety around drug use. We've seen that electric picnic with the drug testing unit there. And there's also plans for these to be introduced in nightclubs all around Ireland. So it makes no sense how you could have that and then target the drug user when apparently we're supposed to be helping them. What we should be doing is, and what the government should be doing is, really looking at their drug policy and if it's working or not. And I think the answer will be a flat no. So, Ryan, forgive me now if I'm being blunt about this. Are you advocating ignoring the user and look at the dist- find the distributor? Absolutely not. I think the user is extremely important, but I don't think the guard should be prioritising the user. I think that should be the Department of Health and uh, experts in the field who are trained in being in nightlife venues and helping people who take drugs. This is this is the approach that we see works. And this is the approach the Department of Health wants to take. The Department of Health we're talking about rolling out volunteer teams of drug harm reduction nurses or experts to go into these venues and help people who are taking drugs if they're taking them in an unsafe way. It shouldn't be the guards going in. The guards should be focused on bigger fish to fry. This is really a key distinction between a health-led model to drug use which targets the individual, you target them with health measures, health teams, support, 
And then with the bigger criminal problems, that's where the justice system comes in. So if Simon Harris is talking about the guards who are already understaffed, folks and more on the individual user, are we really going to be tackling the bigger problem? That's the, the question I'd like to ask. In my opinion, I think it's a two-pronged approach on this one. And, I mean... This- well, we see the we see what the success that the Gardaí have had in Galway. Even last weekend uh, between Lockray and uh, Galway Gardaí, there was a serious halt. So there was, and a number of other halts in other parts of the uh, country as well. So they're they see, they're targeting and uh, the the dealers from there. But I mean, the situation yeah. is. I mean, and maybe you disagree with me, Ryan McHale, But um, when you know when we talk about drug users or drug addicts in this regard, you think about the people sitting on the streets in Dublin. But that's not what we're talking about here. Yeah. And, the, and, the, and the drugs in question, as you know, are, are very addictive. But we're talking about middle class and upper class people who can actually afford uh, to make a call or send a WhatsApp to somebody and within a couple of minutes have their hit of co- cocaine for the for the evening. And they will say it's only yeah. over the weekend and uh, I'm not addicted to it and all of that type of stuff. But it, it is yeah. the middle to the, the, the upper class that's actually funding... And, I, and I'm not speaking for Simon Harris, but it's actually them by purchasing that's funding and the illegal operations of those that are uh, selling the drugs or importing the drugs. Yeah, I don't disagree with you there. I think I, I, I think you're 100% right in what you're saying. But I think people who use drugs have been left with no alternative. Quite frankly, uh, the Irish government has really neglected this issue since the 1970s. Well, how do you mean that they've been left with no other option, Ryan? I, I don't know what you mean there now. So, so you're saying the drug user has been left with another... Is, what we need to start discussing in this country, and I hope the citizens' assembly discusses it, is what's been happening in other jurisdictions around the world. We're seeing countries start to uh, regulate and legalise the sale of cannabis, the biggest seller of drugs, take it out of the hands of the criminal gang. And even larger number of countries are starting to decriminalise drug use, which is a fourth step. So what the governments really are saying is they fail to, to really control the supply of drugs, so we're going to go back to the old trick where we say we're going to target the individual drug user, which, let me remind everybody listening, that has never worked. And I'm sure some of the older listeners have heard this uh, this type of statement be made by successive ministers for justice. So what we need to start doing now, this is the right time, and it's already been happening, this discussion in Ireland. Being a fall, TDs have come out and said we need to legalise and regulate certain drugs. Similar sentiments have been expressed by those within the Green Party, and then across the opposition, this discussion is happening. It seems like Fine Gael and the Department of Justice are kind of in their own silo here in government because there's different departments, different sections of TDs and different cohorts within the government and within the Oireachtas as a whole who are talking about different approaches. And this just came out of nowhere. It's like he's taken a time machine and um, back to the 1980s and maybe he's been talking to some older members of his party. So this is quite confusing for people who are who are uh, involved in this space because okay. we've been hearing different language be used by the government since. Well, like we won't solve it. Point. We won't solve it today, so we won't, Ryan. But I, um, it, you've given a different no, side of no, no. You, but you've given a different side of of my belief on this, and my belief is that those that are using drugs, uh, certainly within, I could say, Galway, uh, they have the money to do so. It, it doesn't dent their day to day expenditure, and yet the the price that they're paying for the fix that they're getting is going back into a criminal element. That's the bottom line on it. Yeah, that's, uh, I, I already agreed with you on that. And yeah. I think we need a different approach because we're not going to be able to call drug use in this country through 
through Gardaí because the more Gardaí we've put into the into the problem, the worse it's actually gotten because the gangs getting easier, the gangs get more violent, they get more evasive. So we need to actually get rid of the gangs altogether and regulate them out of the market okay. and focus on health and safety, most of all. All right, we must get you in for a roundtable discussion from Cron actually on this uh, and to further on it. Ryan McHale, thank you for taking our call this morning and a very good morning to you. What are your thoughts on that? Uh, with thanks to Rationale Windows, please text us to 86 You heard on local news uh, this morning there that Explior are creating 70 jobs in Galway with 5 million euro investment. They moved into the Galway Technology Centre just before Christmas and Phil Codd, who's the Managing Director of Explio, uh, joins me on the line today. Phil, good morning to you. Good morning, how are you? You were a much sought after man today. You were getting looked at from all over the place. So you were. We had four or five people on the case this morning. But Phil, we've tracked you down. What exactly do Explio do, can I ask you? We're a technology, engineering and consultancy business. Um, globally, we have about 17,000 people spread across 35 countries. Um, in Ireland, we're about seven, 800 people uh, spread between uh, Cork, Dublin, um, Belfast, Derry, and uh, I'm delighted to say now Galway. And, and again, are you working in the corporate field then from an engineering point of view? Yeah, a lot of our work is with the, the sort of major blue chip companies in Ireland, so the banks, the utilities, um, the uh, the energy companies, uh, <clears throat> telco government, um, but also uh, a, a couple of years ago we moved into the life sciences sector, so that covers uh, medical devices, um, uh, healthcare and uh, pharmaceuticals, um, and it's a growing market for us, and it was an obvious uh, decision to, to uh, have a base in Galway because obviously there's, there's, a, there's a great wealth of of clients there um, and potential clients for us. And the other idea of this is that, um, you know, following the pandemic to provide flexible work in, um, we wanted to create hubs around the country where our workforce can either work from home or they can go to the clubs or obviously they can come to, uh, you know, come to the main offices in Dublin or Belfast. So it's really to give a greater degree of flexible flexible working uh, for our staff as well as give uh, a greater choice to, to clients. And, I mean, your decision to come west then, I mean, 17,000 um, uh, worldwide in over 35 uh, countries, that's a fairly big company, very big company. It is, and we're probably, uh, uh, sometimes we're a little known, uh, known secret. And uh, as I said, in, you know, if you look in an Irish context, um, we're about 750 people. Uh, my expectation with the additional jobs in Galway um, and the additional growth that we're seeing in the marketplace, um, we will be over 1,000 people by the end of this year. Um, and I think that's in great contrast to, to some of the negativity we're seeing in the tech industry right now. Um, I think, you know, we, we have to understand that the, the services companies, companies like Explio, that provide technology, provide engineering to uh, the vast number of companies in Ireland um, is, is a growth market. Um, it's not a shrinking market. So, again, to be able to, to make job announcements right now when you know we're hearing of the larger, uh, typically U.S. multinationals, are uh, reducing some of the workforce, um, I think is a really good news story for Ireland. It's a good news story for Galway as well to have 70 of these high-tech jobs. And will it, will it be capped at 70 or do you think you can increase it from there? 
Oh, I think, we, you know, as, as it grows, we will continue to grow. We've never, we've never capped anything um, as we've grown over the years. Um, again, Galway having uh, the benefit of two universities now, uh, you know, a vibrant young community. Um, the sort of people we're looking for are mechanical and electrical engineers, digital engineers, software engineers, uh, business consultants, business analysts, um, project managers, so a, a full um, uh, spectrum of, of people, um, and we know that they're 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 in in the Galway uh, region, um, and we're going to be looking to uh, to tap into them and hopefully offer them a, a great career with Explio. Apparently, I mean, last June you were looking for two hundred new positions as well. So I mean, it's been a a, a fast paced recruitment campaign that you've been on. Well, I, um, last year was was an extraordinary year for us here in Ireland. We 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 actually hired over two hundred people in the end. Um, now that was that was spread across um, all of our offices. Um, and as I said, you know, by the end of this year, we'll be up to a thousand or more. Um, so that will include some of the the, the seventy we've announced for Galway, um, but also elsewhere. Um, and you know, we'll 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 hire and grow as the demand is there. Um, and there is a high demand for technology services um, across all aspects of industry in Ireland. Um, is it to go to the Explio website? Is that the best place to go to get details on the jobs in question? Yeah, it's uh, it's on the uh, on the Explio website, which is uh, explio.group.com, um, and go to the jobs page there. Um, but uh, our, our numbers are there as well, um, and I'm sure people will be able to. If you managed to find me this morning, I'm sure others have managed to find me and the rest of my staff. Well, it took Kenny Deary, Ollie Daniels, Noreen, uh, Alicia, <laughs> John Morley. And uh, the local chief superintendent and anybody else that we could find with you today. Well, I, I was driving on the M1, so all these WhatsApp messages and texts that were coming in and emails, I wasn't able to pick up until somebody rang me and I managed to pull into a service station. So many apologies. But as I say, if you've managed to find me, you'll manage to find Explio. Um, listen, they will, of course. So you're in Cork, Dublin, um, Derry. Where Belfast, is? Derry. Yes, Belfast. at the moment. Uh, and now so, Galway. So it's a bit like asking the parent what's the favourite child but I take it you have a soft spot for Galway then well my, my daughter uh, uh, recently finished uh, university there so uh, I've spent many uh, many great times down there um, and obviously uh, with the Gale Talks over the years um, with both of my daughters so um, yeah it certainly has and it's it's uh, you know it's 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 a it's a car ride these days um, it's, it's no longer an arduous journey um, you know it's a hop in the car and you're there all right, listen, Phil, thanks for taking our call. Sorry for the harassment on the M1 today, um, but uh, thank you for joining us uh, today. So good news, Explio is spelled E-X-P-L-E-O. And again, if you put that in, you can get full details uh, from there. Keith, if there's no market for drugs, then there will be no incentive for drug barns to get into the supply market. At present, the market is very lucrative. Um, like Keith, what a load of nonsense. The reason we have drug dealers is that drug users buy from them. Wealthy individuals snorting coke at the weekend are funding crime and they need to be targeted. And another caller said, Keith, would you be, ha- would you be happy to offer your children so-called recreational drugs? If not, you can't support decriminalisation. It's essentially giving drugs a clean bill of health. Excuse me. But that's what I thought when I was speaking to uh, Ryan McHale. You know, that was my thought process. You're giving them a clean bill of health. Good morning, Keith. Are you for real this morning? And is that man on the wireless with you today for real as well? Cop on. Drugs are illegal. End of story. I agree with all of you. I really and truly do. I didn't expect we were going to go that way, though.
Galway Talks in association with Tesco. Click and Collect allows you to collect your order whenever suits you. Welcome in to today's Rugwest Friday. We're with you until 12 midday. Are you going to be doing this very soon, I wonder? All my bags are packed. I'm ready to go. I'm standing here outside your door. I hate to wake you up. Well, you mightn't be going anywhere at all now, so you won't if you don't apply for your passport. Uh, Deputy Kieran Cannon has been keeping an eye on this for years for us, and he joins you on the line today. Deputy Cannon, good morning to you. Good morning, Keith. They won't be going on any jet plane if they don't check their passport. Um, you're getting calls yeah. already from people who suddenly find their passport is out of date. Yes, Keith. Um, and, you know, I, I, and I'm sure this applies to all public, certainly national public representatives. There are times of the year when our constituency offices turn into sub-offices of the passport office in yeah. Dublin um, and people find themselves um, planning to leave within the next maybe, you know, four to five days open their passport to suddenly find it's out of date and then that's where we step in and we're delighted to be able to help people because some of them you know find themselves in a really difficult situation perhaps a relative is ill abroad um and we can guide them in the right direction but the the extent of what the, the work that the passport does each year and certainly keith last year was record-breaking for example in county galway alone last year um, 40,324 people um, were issued with, with a new passport, wow. passport renewal um, in, in the whole county of Gaul, which is extraordinary. 1.1 um, million passports issued nationally. So what I would really like to encourage people to do this morning is to go to that press um, drawer. Um, we all have a place where we keep our passports, um, filing cabinet, whatever it may be, and just take the time this morning, take five minutes to find all the passports for all the members of the family and check that they're in date for at least a year. Because if, you know, you may not be planning to go on holidays, but if something arises, maybe, in, you know, May, June, July, and all of a sudden you go to your passport and it's out of date, um, you then put yourself under incredible pressure uh, and a process uh, kicks in that, you know, is is not a, a straightforward one. It's, it can be quite um, fractious and quite difficult at times. Um, and you don't need that stress in your lives. So um, I would encourage everyone this morning to go find their passports and do exactly that. Check that they're at least a year in date because there are some countries, now, the vast majority of countries, particularly you know European Union countries, the US and so on, your passport does not need to be in date for at least, you know, for that, that six month expiry. But there are certain countries where if you are traveling to those countries, you when entering the country, your passport has to have at least six months uh, of, of uh, time left on it. So places like uh, uh, Thailand, uh, Sri Lanka, uh, Dubai, Abu Dhabi, all these places. So um, it, I'm just encouraging people to do exactly that. It's going to save yourself yeah. an awful lot of hassle, an awful lot of stress, an awful lot of pressure later on in the year. If you suddenly open that passport book or indeed your, your child's passport book to suddenly find it's out of date. Uh, I was reading the brief um, early this morning, actually, uh, when I when I got in, uh, which was fairly early, and I rang home straight away and said, "Check passports quick, please." Uh, but they're in date. But is it not true, though, from an American point of view? Now, correct me if I'm wrong, because it was. I think from an American point of view, you either have to have six or three months left on your passport. There's one or two states that um, that um, impose that, but in general, Keith, most American locations you don't need you don't need to have uh, six months left. You don't um, have on to your passport. No. Okay, that's no. a change. Um, yeah, it those, is. Yeah, those um, lovely people. And, and I mean, uh, and you know what the passport office is doing all the time. 
uh, and indeed the Department of Foreign Affairs are, you know, negotiating these kinds of arrangements, um, you know, between countries where um, the movement of our people and indeed their people back and over across our borders is made much more straightforward. So these things are, are changing all the time. So whenever you're traveling anywhere, um, it's always advisable to go on the Department of Foreign Affairs. You just Google um, Passports Ireland to bring you straight to the Foreign Affairs website and all of the information is there as to which countries need that six months expiry and, and which countries don't. So, um, And also, Keith, can I just say there's one other thing that people really need to, to understand is if you're applying to renew your passport, so you have that passport right now, you open the book and you say, oh, it's expiring on the 15th of April, you can do all of that renewal now online. You do not need to leave your home. Every aspect of it can be done online. And the turnaround times for online are extraordinary. You will have it back. Now, officially, it says two weeks, um, but most people have it back within four to five days. Uh, and compare that with the postal option, um, which is officially that the wait time, if you submit a paper application, is two months. So, um, And once you have that paper application in the system, there's no mechanism whereby you can somehow extract it uh, and, and, and seek to have it expedited. So if, God forbid, you do have um, an, an urgent reason to travel abroad, um, you can't all of a sudden just jump in there and pull it out of the queue and seek to have it processed quickly. Um, there is one um, very, very helpful option, Keith, um, and that's called the same-day renewal service, which is live all year round. And again, you can find all the information about that on the, um, the, the DFA, the Department of Foreign Affairs uh, website. Again, just Google Passports Ireland, um, Urgent Passport, whatever, to take you directly to that page on their website. Um, and you can book. Um, and if I was to go online right now, um, I could possibly get an appointment for tomorrow, or, or sorry, for Monday or Tuesday, um, and go up there. Now, there's a fee of €150 Euro attaching to it. But if you go in there and your appointment's at 11 a.m., they will have the passport handed back to you by by close of business on, on Monday evening. So that service is there also for people who wish to um, renew their passport for, for, for urgent reasons. But what I would advise people to do is check the passport, ensure that it's in date for at least a year, uh, and then um, if it isn't, to use that online service, which is very, very straightforward. You take the photograph on your on your own device, on your phone, on your on your um, uh, iPad, on your laptop, whatever it may be, uh, and you submit it online. And all of the verification that would normally have to take place by a human being in an office in Balbriggan is done by by the computer. It's it's a very very sophisticated verification system. It's won awards all over the world for uh, the efficacy of the system, and and it the the computer does all the verification, and your passport application uh, is is then forwarded straight through to the section that prints the passports, and um, and that's why they're out to you and return to you so quickly. So, so um, check the passport. Yeah. And if you are renewing it, please do it online and you will have it back within four to five days. So effectively what you're saying is that if you do it online and it gets through the online process, including the verification, you're done. You're yes. done. So yeah. then it goes straight to the printer and comes back out to you. But this is where the post offices, I think, could be used for people who are not tech savvy and that they could go in, pay a small fee to the post office and get it done from there. Has that ever been looked at? Well, the, the, the facility for the post office remains there. You go to your, you know, your local pharmacy or your, your local photography shop and you get your two uh, passport photographs in that little um, pocket and you bring them to the post office. Uh, the forms are there. You fill them in. Uh, you pop it all into yeah, that's, a, that's an envelope and, and off it goes. But the problem, Keith, is 
that the verification of that has to be done by a human being. And there are, and I've been there in that centre in Balbriggan, there are thousands of those applications still arriving every week in very large mail sacks. They have to be taken out. They have to be entered into the computer system. Uh, the verification has to be done. Uh, and that all takes time and, okay. and takes human input. What? Whereas if you do it online, now I, I think I know what you're saying is that you could do that. You could go to your post office and somehow do the have the online done in situ in the post office. Yeah. Is that what you're suggesting? That's what I'm yeah. suggesting, yeah. Is there yeah, any that, that is would there make sense. Can, yeah. Is there anywhere that else outside the family home that you can go and get your a, passport a, a, a specific booth where you would go to for, yeah. for example, have the photograph taken there and then um, it would it would then end up directly into the online system rather than going down the putting it in an envelope. Yeah, yeah that's it certainly just, something worth considering. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's what I was looking for there. Uh, Keith, I can guarantee you that if any of the ministers going abroad for St. Patrick's Day had expired passports, uh, they would have a renewal in their hands within hours. So says Justin from Crockwell. But they, they travel when they're going on those trips on a, on a, on a uh, diplomatic passports. Diplomatic yeah. passports. Um, so, yeah, so um, all of our ministers travelling abroad this year... Um, once you're appointed, appointed a minister, you're also um, given a diplomatic passport, which um, allows you to move basically um, in a more streamlined manner between countries because that's essentially an efficient use of minister's time. So, yeah, they all have diplomatic passports. What does it mean, though? I mean, when you, once, you, once you, the plane lands, say, in wherever, in Paris or Cyprus or wherever you're going to, uh, you still yeah. have to wait for the thing to come out. You still have to... But do you go through a fast track? You're picked up when you come off the plane, is that yeah, it? Yeah, you go through a fast track process. That's that's an agreement, an international agreement between all countries. So if we have ministers coming in here visiting from France or Italy or South Korea, um, they would avail of the same system coming into Irish airports. So it's reciprocated around the world. And it's essentially to ensure that we have make mo- the, the most efficient use of people's times because not alone are the ministers travelling, but also there are a number of officials travelling with them. Okay. And they have a very busy schedule and getting them out of an airport as quickly as possible and into that schedule is a priority. So do they go into arrivals? Do they pick up their bag? Do they do all of that or do they bypass all of that too? They bypass all of that. They bypass all, all of that, yeah. And, yeah. The, and the bag just um, arrives in the hotel? Uh, yes. Well, the bag usually ends up in, in the boot of whatever car you're travelling, so that, that's how it works. And, that's true. and can I just say, Keith, and, you know, there's been a lot of, and there is, every single year that um, the list of ministers travelling yeah. abroad is announced. Um, I mean, I even heard it on uh, on a TV show last night, the word junket being used repeatedly, and even the word it's holiday being used by, by one individual. Keith, you've been on these trips yeah. um, with ministers in Chicago um, and in Milwaukee. Um you know, from 7 a.m. in the morning, um, maybe a, a, a business breakfast with local Irish business representatives, all the way through to reception for an Irish community at 11 o'clock at night. It is nonstop. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it's an extraordinary opportunity. And, you know, and I, when I was Minister in the Department of Foreign Affairs, I would have met with my counterparts from around the world. They look upon Ireland with great envy every 17th of March because it's it's a, an, an incredible opportunity to market our country abroad. And, you know, you, you interviewed a gentleman there earlier on, um, another another international company making an investment in Galway. Yeah. These investments don't happen by accident. No. You know, we go abroad and we, we um, sell Ireland as a, as a location to invest in our talented young people, um, all of what we have to offer in terms of the quality of life. Uh, and this is a critically important part of that marketing process. And to okay. think that on St. Patrick's Day, you know, you have iconic buildings around the world, you know, the, the pyramids in Egypt, the Arc de Triomphe, the Eiffel Tower, um, every iconic building in the world is lit up, illuminated and green um, for St. Patrick's Day. Yeah. It's a 
incredible opportunity it happens every year and we should avail of it to the greatest possible extent I'll tell you you'd want a break when you go back from them uh, thank you for joining us uh, today Deputy Kieran Canning I did my passport um, online on Thursday week Keith and I got it back last Tuesday so there you go just do it online or get someone to do it online or find someone to do it online and you'll get it back quicker it's 9.42 we're back just after these Galway Tolls in association with Tesco find our award winning Irish ranges in store and online at tesco.ie now a couple of comments in today hi Keith it was announced yesterday that Inland Fisheries Ireland is being disbanded uh, by the government but they do terrific work on the Loch uh, Corrib area and the lakes around Ireland have you any advances on this we have and it's an absolute legal quagmire and we're not even touching it um, because it has to play out wherever it plays out in whatever sphere. It, it's not disbanded, by the way. It's still in place, of course it is. Uh, but uh, there you go. It's um, There are issues that need to be sorted within it. But, I mean, legally, uh, we looked at it, actually. We had a piece planned for today on it. Uh, but legally, it's just too dangerous, to be quite honest. So, there you go. you got to make decisions. Keith, I want to compliment you on your interview yesterday with Harry Barry. Fantastic and great listening. Uh, very interested in purchasing the book The Power of Connection if you want to ring us back I can give you um, no I can't someone else took a gesture on me yeah it's worth buying I'm absolutely infuriated at listening to your interview with that and a word I could never use on a Friday uh, but uh, fair play to Minister Harris for calling a spade a spade cut the supply drugs are in every small town in Ireland it's horrendous what's going on Keith, a very much-loved family pet is missing from Corrafin. He's a very friendly and social black-and-white uh, older collie dog called Woody. Ah, what a lovely name. With small brown markings over his eyes and on the side of his nose. We'd be very grateful if you could uh, help us on this one. Uh, if anybody sees him, he's chipped. And you can contact us here at the station and we'll put you on to Michael from there. So 0917700077. Keith, we're in our 80s and we want to renew our passport. What's the pursuit? What's the procedure? Can we get a shorter period one, say three years, or does it have to be a 10-year one? Is there a reduced charge for OAPs? I think we need a centre somewhere in the county and the city that people like this can go in and get it done electronically for three years or five years or 10 years. I don't know what, what, what the period is, uh, but I think we need somewhere that they can go in. Like you go and get your driving licence up in, in um, Ballybrit there. Same thing. It comes out to you then from there. I think somebody, there's a there's a business idea there for somebody, but there you go. Now, those homeless accommodation plans for Tune Convent, they've been dismissed. Councillor Donna Killay joins me on the line today. Donna, good morning to you. Good morning, Keith. How are you doing? Good. Um, this is the presentation, sisters. They wanted to turn a building which had been a residence for nuns into six self-contained apartments for use by those that are homeless. It's a really Christian story, but where has it fallen down? It's fallen down on a technicality, to be honest, Keith. Um, so, as you know, the Presentation Sisters put through a planning application there uh, for the conversion of a 15-bedroom. It's The building there is known as St. Veronica's, and they want to convert it to six one-bedroom self-contained apartments there for use. It's really for people, uh, for the homeless services. Um, the application was lodged in, in, in February of last year, and um, I suppose last week we learned of the refusal strictly on a technicality on the basis that the, that the area in which the proposed development was was not zoned uh, appropriately for 
for um, residential living. So it's really on a technicality. I have to say the presentation sisters have to be commended for the planning application. They've spent a year and probably have cost them a lot of money. Uh, and I suppose to fall down on, on a lack of zoning for that particular area uh, is very disappointing. Because Keith, I'm not sure if your listeners would be aware, but anybody in the Tume and North Galway area that would uh, need homeless services, uh, and, and in particular a place to stay, uh, that is catered for in Galway City uh, predominantly because um, yeah. that's the place where is closest uh, uh, the facilities are for people that are homeless. So it's very, very difficult to expect those that are homeless, I suppose, not alone that they're in that position, um, but they'll have to travel if they're from Tune, they'll have to travel from Tune to Galway, stay overnight, come back to their family, you know, um, arrange meetings in both the Tune office and the Galway housing office and, and link with the various different social workers. So, so it's, just, it, just it, hold it, there it one second, Donna, one second, hang on there one second. Just stall the digger one second. Are you telling me that if somebody um, presents himself to the county council office uh, in Tune and says, I am homeless and I need assistance, that they're shipped into Galway City to be dealt with? Yes, is the answer. Uh, so if, if you're presenting as homeless and you want to go to the Tumary office, uh, which is, uh, you'll be diverted up to the housing section of Galway City Council, uh, which is on Prospect Hill. Um, you'll arrange to be made to meet a social worker and then accommodation um, that can be got, and it's not always available, uh, is predominantly in uh, the hostels in Galway City. Uh, there is currently no homeless hostel available uh, in the Tume or North Galway area at the moment. Um, so we need a dedicated hostel in Tume. And I think the in the essence of what the presentation sisters uh, want to do um, was to try and facilitate this. That's my understanding, the reason for this planning application. Um, but you're right, yes, it's a very difficult situation to be. I mean, I've, I've dealt with some homeless, I've dealt with people that needed homeless service. And in, in fairness to Galway County Council, they bend over backwards no, I do in the housing that, section yeah, and social workers. But it's just that the logistics of it is a nightmare. Uh, Keith, for anybody that's suffering that at the moment. And there are people listening to your programme right now that have availed of those homeless services that may have been in student accommodation during the summer, uh, that may have stayed in hostels in both the car and the city centre, uh, and and their family ties are not in the city, they are in their respective towns, whether that's Headford or Chum or Dunmore or Milton okay. or, I mean, or Glenamaddy, it's yeah. irrelevant, but it's that's the that's what they face. Yeah, but this needs to be, this. I mean, there's nothing, I mean, good Lord, I mean, Galway City Council and Galway County Council, I'm, I'm not in any way disparaging towards them, but are you mm. telling me so that you've, you've outlined to them, so we say somebody on the outskirts of Port Humble to find themselves unfortunately homeless due to whatever, do they have to come to Galway City as well? Um, I, w- I would assume so, but I do know that uh, I, I do know one case um, where we had uh, a person from Tume that came to me that required homeless services. He actually was put into Port Tumlin himself into a private rented accommodation to accommodate his homelessness while a, while a place is being found. So, th- oh, it, go stop it's one second, Tommy, Sorry, are it's you saying dependent. somebody sorry, from? Tume, yeah. Sorry, yeah, there's a slight delay on the line. There's somebody from Tume was housed in Port Tumna. Um, temporarily while they were seeking alternative accommodation. Yes. And, and the, from the reason for it is because... Go ahead, Keith. Sorry, there's been a small bit of a delay. Sorry, Keith. Yeah, no, I, I said it's a long way from Tume to Port Tumna for somebody that's homeless and may not have a car. Well, there's certainly no direct services from Tume to Port Tumna. Um, but, you know, you're right. There is, there's, um, there's a huge need for, for homeless accommodation in every town. 
uh, within the county and outside of Galway City to mm. accommodate the crisis that there is at the moment, uh, and that's needed. And and I suppose we're here talking about the, I suppose the the wish for the presentation sisters to offer that accommodation. And I think it fell down on a technicality of the land not being zoned correctly because it's actually, it's in around where the, the church and the schools and stuff are. Um, but it's it's a separate building with its own separate entrance. Yeah, but look, there are emergency powers that um, Michael McGrath and others have in this regard. And surely they should invoke the emergency powers in buildings like this. I, I can't answer that. I didn't do the planning application, but I, I know from reading the planning application itself. So what I, in 2019, there was a building adjacent to this, uh, also owned by the Presentation Sisters that went in for a planning application that was granted. Um, so I, I think the fact that there was a build on this was, it, it was really a technicality on land use zoning. Now we do have our local area plan at the moment, and I think we're going to address that particular area. So as to allow the Presentation Sisters, if they will allow us to do that, to, to make the changes so that this planning application can uh, a planning application can be relodged and processed because it was a huge amount of work uh, went in by the uh, architects uh, in this and and yeah. what's unfortunate about this as well Keith is that you know Chum, I suppose, as it's an archdiocese and a centre of it, there are a lot of vacant, uh, there are some, sorry, vacant uh, ex-convent premises. There are also other uh, properties that will become available in the next three to five years because schools, we have new schools being built and we have amalgamation of schools. And I think it's important that we zone the town appropriately to allow uh, for the conversion of buildings into residential units, whether they're for homeless services or whether they're for residential or what it doesn't, it's not really a matter for that. It's, it's that... It, this this fell in a technicality that probably shouldn't yeah. have happened really. Okay. I mean, I think we probably would have facilitated a material alteration if we knew that this was a scenario, but this is I suppose the horse is bought now, we have to deal with it now, but it's um it's 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 not a great position to be in given yeah. that the presentation sisters want to do this for the town and they'll continue to deliver in fairness. We see the okay. we see the mercy uh, there yesterday or the, the announcement that they're going to take Ukrainian families and their people that are in need. Um because we have Ukrainian families in hotels the moment who have um, vulnerable children and you might have three or four or five in a room uh, uh, you know and they just need appropriate accommodation for okay. the length of time they're going to be here it's not a long-term thing it's only probably one to three years by the time they get back to their own country but um, it, we, we do need that accommodation and I suppose to thank the Mercy Sisters and indeed through Father Pat Farher and the, and the, and the church there for allowing the conversion of the upstairs uh, of the parish centre and the mercy grounds there to be done for that. Okay. I think it's uh, it's important that we hold on to our humanity at this time and we help people that are both homeless and in need and, and fleeing war in particular in Ukraine. All right, um, Councillor Donnell-Kilday, thank you for joining us uh, today. Just it's a little bit of madness, a little bit of bureaucracy gone mad altogether, but then they have to follow the rules because somebody else has challenged them on that, so the rules have to be changed in this regard, so there might have to be... Um, for the work done on this. But well done to the presentation, sisters, and for wanting to do this. And do you know what? If it was changed, it would put a good bit of life back into the centre of Tume again. I'm not saying that it needs it in any way, but it would put life back into the centre of Tume and any town, including Galway City as well, by the way. Um, we don't have enough residential in the heart of Galway City, or indeed in the heart of some towns as well. So it would put a little bit of life into them. Yet to come on the programme, by the way, we have loads yet to come on the uh, programme. We're going live to a Jesuit, Tony O'Reardon, who joins us from Syria shortly. Stay tuned for that and more to come. Now that let's head towards the 10 o'clock news to join the news team on this Friday morning. A very good morning to you. Galway Talks, in association with Tesco. Click and Collect allows you to collect your order whenever suits you.